Durable learning, it can be so hard. Yes, that's true, but we are learning professionals and we can overcome some of those challenges. Today, we're going to dive in and talk about durable learning. What are some of the challenges and how can we overcome them? It is episode 16 of The Learning Geeks coming your way now. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everybody. Gentlemen, how are you? Terrific. We are coming from we are coming from all parts of the country today. I'm in my home. Jake, you are at your home, right? Yes. But I'm Dana, I'm in Utah. Yeah. Nice. Just for a couple more days and then nice. heading back to Chicago. So you notice that Dana doesn't sound as crisp and that deep tone that Dana usually has. And that's it's usually a soft tone as well, but he still sounds good. Yeah, he does. I'm hidden away in a bunker somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on your hotspot on your phone right now, right? That's your internet connection? I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. my internet connection is not as strong, so I'm using a hotspot. So, yeah. yeah. So if we get a few we'll warbles in Dana's feed, you'll, you'll understand why. <laughs> uh, so welcome back, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed our Star Wars After Show last time, for those of you who listened to it. And um, before we dive into our real topic today... And because today is Star Wars Day Eve, when we're recording this, it is May the 3rd. Tomorrow, of course, is mm-hmm. May the 4th, which is Star Wars Day. Just a couple things of follow-up from our last conversation is uh, the Oculus Quest. Uh, as expected last week, it was announced that the Oculus Quest is coming out on May 21st. So it's just a couple of weeks. And pre-orders are available for that. So I put in a pre-order and... It will be interesting to play with and see if that really is a game changer for us in the adult learning space, which I think it Mm -hmm. might be. It might be. So keep your eyes tuned to that. Uh, Also, yesterday, the reservation system for getting into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland went online, and two hours later, all of the reservations were gone. But I managed to snag one with my friend Jeff for the evening of June 7th. So that is when I am going to go there for the first time, and then we'll let you guys know my reactions. And it won't be the last time. They will probably be laden with tears. It will not be the last time. It won't be the last time. (laughs) No, 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 no. No. So that was the follow-up from last time, unless you guys had anything else to add. No, not, nothing else other than probably, again, we, we talk a lot about Star Wars today, and we'll pay a, qu- a, pay a quick tribute mm, to mm-hmm. Peter Mayhew today, um, who passed away at, I think, was it 72 or 70? No, 74, 74 years yeah. old. Yeah. And uh, Peter was the uh, the person behind Chewbacca, the original Chewbacca for many, many of the movies, actually, the, the originals as well as the prequels. So That's right. Yeah. And actually, you know, it's also, it's kind of in our space, an interesting story about succession planning and mentoring because Peter Mayhew, when he was filming episode seven, The Force Awakens, really dove in and coached and mentored uh, Jonas Suatimo, who is the guy who has now taken over as Chewbacca and basically, you know, like got him ready to assume the the mantle of that character. So it was a really beautiful picture of somebody, you know, passing off the torch to the next generation and doing a great job of preparing them and coaching them and giving them feedback and then letting them run with it. So that is a cool thing. Yeah. So Bob, maybe you can get him on the show sometime and we can talk about mentoring. I will try to get Jonas Suatimo on the show. I will, I will 
ping him directly. He was just in, he was just in Santa Monica this last week and he asked for restaurant recommendations and I gave him some. So we'll see what happens. There you go. I will try to get him on for sure. Um, okay. Let's go ahead and talk about durable learning. And, you know, I realized before we dive into this, that we talk about durable learning a lot on this show and maybe it's time to step back and do a little bit of a refresher onto what that means. So Dana, to me, you are the king of durable learning. Uh, why don't you share? Yeah, I'm only the king. Be- I'm only the king of that because I've I've read uh, a couple of books, and if that's what qualifies, anybody's <laughs> king. Uh, all right, so let me do that. It all started many years ago with our patron saint, Allison Horn, who said we need to figure out how we can make learning last. And so we started diving into the brain science behind durable learning, what makes something stick beyond a learning event. And what we did actually was kind of an interesting thing. We read a lot of books. I mentioned that earlier, but we read several books that are all dealing with learning durability and brain science. We also looked at a lot of instructional design, some of the tried and true methods. And from that, we developed uh, what we call the eight elements of a durable experience. Some of them are easier to do than others. Um, And you know, the, the whole idea is if you think about the investment that different companies make in training and learning, if you're giving people uh, a learning experience that doesn't last, that's costing time and money. The good thing is that we, we understand there are certain things that you can do that physiologically change the brain. It changes the structure of the brain um, to when, when you actually create an event that lasts beyond again, beyond a given a moment. So, um, you know, I think on this episode, we want to just talk about a few of our favorite things. There are some of them, again, that are a little easier, like is the content relevant uh, or the course relevant? Do you have appropriate context? Uh, and, And those are things that are a little easier to deal with. But Bob, I think, you know, you had one that you're dealing with in a course that you wanted to banter around a little bit. Which of the elements is your favorite? I do. Uh, it's spaced, which is because of the Star Wars thing. No, it is not. It's because it has nothing to do with <laughs> space like that. Uh, the The notion of learning should be spaced really kind of comes down to the the core principle that a brain needs time to not be absorbing information but to process the information that it has recently received and ruminate on it and uh, reflect on it and think about how it can be applied. And that is ultimately how uh, the, the data becomes knowledge, right, is one way to look at it, is by having those moments where you stop and you breathe and you reflect on what you've learned and you make it more concrete. So we know that that's a principle, right? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the classic example is one that everybody can relate to, right? Because anybody who's gone to college knows what it's like to cram for an exam, right? Where Mm -hmm. where you just put in all sorts of time and energy. You walk out of the exam and and you you basically flush your brain. You kind of forget everything because you're you're getting ready for the next exam. Well, that's that's a, a prime example of not spaced learning, right? That's right. And that's why I remember nothing from college. Because I crammed right. everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I mean, and, and that's the reason why that is, is that it's the, you're doing a short-term retrieval. 
right? right you're you're right, cramming yeah. everything in. It's and you and yeah, you may have aced that test, but you're actually not putting in the effort. And again, over time and thinking about it um, in different contexts, and again, distributed over time, which will then eventually go to more of a longer term memory or longer term storage, right? You were just yeah. cramming it in to put it all into that short term memory bank. So Bob, what's, your, right. what's the big challenge you're facing? I mean, you want to give us a little more color yep. on that? Yeah, for sure. So the challenge that I have is I am working on a week long in-person learning event. And, you know, just a reminder that although we've been learning a lot over recent years as a learning profession, that there's other ways to do learning, right? Is, you know, online learning and virtual learning and virtual classroom and all of these type of things. Uh, we do believe that there is very definitely still a place for in-person live classroom events, and they are part of our strategy. The challenge gets to be, uh, we do those, right? Like the reason why we bring everybody together is to work on the content that is best learned by having a bunch of people together who are doing things and are are learning from each other. And it is kind of such a, well, let's put it this way. It is such a large investment to get everybody together for those reasons that it is very tempting to just cram content uh, 24 hours a day for the four or five days that they are with us together. And uh, as we talk with stakeholders and sponsors, they are always, you know, always pushing for, oh, just one more thing. Can we just add this? Can we have one presentation about that and that type of thing? And that gets to be very challenging. So, you know, we, we talk about trying to cram 50 pounds of stuff into a five pound bag. And it feels like for me, every time I design one of these, we go in with the design principle that we will not do that. And then at some point, uh, we're fighting doing that because it's really, really easy to go there. So how do you create those moments where people can take a break and reflect? So we're playing with a few different ideas. And one that we had that I wanted to run by you guys and, and see what you hey, think. Hey, before you is, do that, Bob, I just had a vision yeah. of you with a lightsaber fending off all of the content that's coming from you in different directions as you're pulling together. Of course. So just trying to, <laughs> just trying to come full circle of the star Wars stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I am the learning Jedi. So that's great. Um, okay. So here's the idea is it's based on the premise that yes, you're busy. Yes. Your schedule is packed, but if you take just a few minutes to reflect that, that is going to help and that is going to add value. So, the idea that we have, and we just came up with a creative name for this, is reflect, write, call it a night. So here's what we're proposing is in our learning journal, at the end of every day's section in the learning journal, and the idea with the learning journal is it'll be a notebook, it'll have some questions in it, reflection questions and things like that. So our participants will be writing in this journal and using it as a resource all the way through. But at the end of each day's section, we're going to have a page for this reflect, write, call it a night activity. And the instructions that we're going to give them is set a timer for two minutes. And during those two minutes, just sit quietly, take a deep breath and think through everything you learned that day. And when that two minutes is up, 
reset your timer for three minutes. And then on that page in the journal, do a free writing session, which is a technique you guys may have heard of before, where you just write for three minutes with your pencil not stopping. If your pencil stops at all, you're just supposed to doodle or, uh, or, you know, or, or just write nonsense words or whatever, but that you are engaging in writing for three minutes, again, with the idea of reflecting on what you learned. And so, you know, the thought behind that is, again, people very busy, we're going to have a very crammed schedule. But if you can just block out five minutes, right? Like, like, I imagine I could say, hey, can you just give me five minutes? Can you give me five minutes, please? Most people will be able to say, yeah, I can do five minutes. Okay, here's what we want you to do. Do these two things, call it a night, go to bed, and we'll see you again tomorrow. So what do you think about that? I've got a couple of reactions. The first one is I, I like the idea of journaling because it not only is that is that part of the reflection time, but it, that's also the another one. It hits on another one of the principles, the generative, right? Because anytime you start yeah. articulating your experience uh, in your own words, that is also starting to drive stuff from this from the short term into the long term memory. The other the other dimension of that is you know again assuming that people actually do this from a when I think about spaced learning, it mm-hmm. would be interesting to put in place things where you know a week or two months or three months you drive them back into that journal so they can look back at what they that. had learned yeah. right and and then maybe add some reflection to that. And, and so maybe you'd want to even structure it. So, you know, leave a blank page after every entry, because when oh, you go back, yeah. right, then, then you say, yeah, okay, I've looked at this journal and here's some things I learned. Here's some new things that have come to mind since then. Mm-hmm. Love that idea. Yeah. And I, I like my first, my first reaction was again, what are you going to do even beyond the event? And I think we, I think Danny, you even mentioned this too, is as learning professionals, as teachers, whoever, we have to think beyond events and what happens after, right? Or even before, you know, it's throughout the whole journey. So if there is space within that journal, or even as they're writing their three minute drill, right, is to get them to think about the beyond, which is what types of actions or maybe there's one little micro action that I can do from learning today, right? And then that is their thing to think about accountability from themselves. What can I do beyond this? Maybe it's just a talk with my my supervisor or my one of my colleagues that I work with, right? Get them to also think about not just what happened today, but what can I apply today to start to transfer? So they're even starting to get to that, that goal uh, mindset approach. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Thanks for that advice. Now, the beautiful, well, the beautiful thing is I, I don't have to write this up now because my team listens to our podcast. So. Hey, hi team. <laughs> Jake, please get this up as soon as possible. I will. So that they can take it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Bob, I'm also wondering what about the reflection time during the event? Because, you know, I mean, we, yeah. we know there's a neurological limit where the brain needs to be reset about every 20 minutes. Um, what, how are you guys doing the, those types of resets? Well, we're not doing them right now on a 20-minute cadence, uh, although that's an interesting gauntlet you just threw down, Dana, that I can take a look at. We do have breaks set up during the day to take a few moments to reflect. Mm-hmm. So that that won't be the only thing. The journaling exercise isn't the only thing. But we do have a few times in each day that are set aside for literally that stop, take a breath, 
here is a provocative question to think about and just think quietly about it for a couple of minutes. So we've got those built in. And and how do you how do you uh, how are you engineering it so that the breaks are so there really is some reflection time during the breaks rather than running out, checking my cell phone and dealing with the latest crisis? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think that we have that. I don't think that we have that built in yet. So what we could do is have a, you know, set up a provocative question before going into each break. Here's something to think about, or just the, you know, grab a friend and ask them this. Um, and that would be a good way to do that. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. The the other thought would be to introduce uh, the notion of, uh, you know, momentary digital detox, Oh, right. Yeah. Don't, don't check your digital device for the first five minutes of the break. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know if people could do that, but you know, it's an interesting idea, right? Because then it either forces you to think about what you just experienced or to start interacting with others who are in the class. And I think if you combine that with your provocative question, that that could do some interesting things. Mm-hmm. And, and what it got me to think about the digital detox too, is that, you know, even just helping them be aware of what happens when you do that, when you take a break, yep. your quote unquote break, and then you go right to your device, you're actually task uh, switching, right? So you're going from a very intense, you're taking all this information in, you're trying to think about how to apply it, and then you're jumping to these this other environment, which is your phone, and you're going right back to another uh, environment that you know probably needs your attention, and then you're, 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 again, you're task switching, you're going there. So how do you get individuals and people throughout, right, to how do you stay more focused in the current environment? And, and if you do detach, let's say you take a break, how do you get them to detach from that classroom environment, but not necessarily go back to the environment that they do every, every day, which is, again, would be on their phone. Can you just walk away? And like Dana says, have a dig- digital detox where natural reflection will typically occur, either or not you're talking with some in- other individual, which again is more of a social component. You get to share, think yeah. about, uh, share different ideas and different reflections, but it could be just walk away by yourself, take a walk, get out of there. Um, and not even use your phone. And maybe, you know, there's one good book that I read and I can't remember, I'm drawing a blank at the name right now, but there was a point where uh, tip was during throughout the day, there will be digital or technology breaks, but some of them aren't. And the purpose of those are for you to truly detach as well as to really reflect and, and, and again, gain more understanding of what we're actually yeah, here for. Similar concept. I love that. So can I just, I just want to hit on something that Jake mentioned, because you just kind of mentioned it in passing, but I think it's worth magnifying a little bit. You you mentioned a couple of times in your little discussion about uh, task switching. I think that's an important concept because we often hear the word multitasking. And from a neurological standpoint, we know that the brain is actually a serial processor, not a parallel processor. Uh, serial means, right, one thing at a time. Parallel means multiple. So when we talk about people multitasking, they're not really doing that. What they're doing is they're switching tasks very quickly. And um, there's evidence that as you age, that ability to shift back and forth slows down. We just need to be aware that when we're developing things like this, if there are any, um, anything that's drawing people away from being focused on the content and there are distractions there, those distractions will actually take them off course because they're not yep. processing those things parallel. Do you guys do that yourselves during the during your standard workday? Do you 
you know, step aside for mindfulness breaks or do you, uh, you, you know, do you, do you put up those uh, defenses to make sure that you can stay on task? Bob, a couple of things that I'll do periodically is I, I will either leave my cell phone in a different room or I'll put it in a drawer. Yep. I will also look at my desk and sometimes I realize my desk has gotten really cluttered and I'll take 10 minutes and I'll just clean my desk so I don't have those visual distractions around. So there are things that I do from a mindful standpoint to try to make my environment one that is less distracting than, um, than it otherwise might be. I, I do someone similar where I try to keep my the clutterness is that's that's my big thing. Make sure everything's clean and off my desk. I actually use smaller water bottles now, so that way I can get up con- more more often to go downstairs to that's get some idea. water. And again, it just forces me to get up and and walk more. Um, and then I've actually put a limit on some of my apps mm, time mm-hmm. limit where throughout the day once I meet it and I even though technically I can get them back if I want to, all I have to do is enter my passcode. But I've realized I don't do it. I've I've gotten to a habit where I don't do it. So it's not like I'm perfect at, at any of these, but I'm starting to add these little tiny things throughout the day, uh, where I'm, I'm I'm trying to stay focused. And then on the, at the same time, I'm using more of a Kanban board actually, and that's been really helpful because I see what I have to do, and I really want to take all of those those stickies off my board every day. I've lived my life on a Kanban for the last four or five years or so, and I find that really helpful. It is. Another thing thing that I do as a mindfulness exercise, so it's like if I'm coming off of one call and I've got 15 minutes before another call and it's about a different topic and I need to make a switch, uh, what I will do as a mindfulness exercise is play a game of Ms. Pac-Man on my arcade machine in my office, which... Um, because what I do is I consciously do it as a meditative practice. Um, (laughs) and it's interesting. Like what I find is if I just breathe and all I do is focus on the game, that that's my center of attention. And I, you know, kind of try not to let my thoughts go in other directions. And I just do that for the five minutes or so that I can last in a game of Ms. Pac-Man because I'm really bad at it. It, it does help me get grounded and center my brain and get ready for that next call. You know, Bob, it, what comes to mind in context of the earlier discussion around space and reflection and things, another colleague of ours, Rajiv, um, is mm-hmm. very big into building mindfulness experiences into, uh, into learning experiences. So, you know, the, the pause and breathe and some of those types of things. And I, I'm guessing you probably have some of those things built into your training as well. Yes, we do, because he is actively on our team. There you go. <laughs> so that's that's great. So, hey, guys, that's helpful advice. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. Well, I mean, it, it, this is kind of, it's not directly to this line, but it was making me think of an additional challenge following all this stuff is, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is might be easier for us to know because we spent so much time in this space. We know what space learning is. We know what the best techniques are for learners, at least us ourselves to be a learner. But then I always struggle with the learner themselves and that if you try to tell them all of these techniques when you have them in person, it's another layer of information that can be overwhelming, right? That's true. And then when you you cram it down in every single email that you have that the company sends through, it's just another thing and another thing. So my, what I'm wrestling with is that when we do step away, when we're not in these, 
these events where we are more dedicated. We've, we've basically dedicated our time to be here. When I go back to my normal work environment, I'm doing my normal things. How do we ensure and help people live the, you know, again, the space principle and the generative and the rest of them to do that more on an everyday basis without, again, just cramming down, here's all the bullet points that you should be doing, right? I just want to throw that out there because I still think that that's a challenge a lot of people wrestle with and it's still very, very hard. It's like, how do we help learners be better learners once they leave these these environments so that way they can transfer that knowledge, they can apply it, they can continue to practice, they can do it in a way that's a spaced way, it's not too spaced, right? There's all these variables, but um, I just wanted to get your reactions of what do we do beyond that to ensure that they can be a more effective learner. It, yeah, I I don't know. I I, I mean, you're right. It, it, it's another thing that we run into as learning professionals, right? It's like we want to keep communicating with people and send them these emails and make this stuff pop up on their desk so that we're focused on it. And how do you make sure that it's signal and not noise? Well, one way I think that you know I've thought about it is is sometimes you can take people through an activity. And then as part of the debrief, you could explain, you know, the reason that this is effective is because of these things. And you can now spend a few minutes thinking about how you can translate this beyond the work, uh, beyond the, the learning event. Um, another thing that I've done periodically is come up with a, a simple template. Um, I think you guys have seen the, the one with the square, the triangle, and the circle, right? The, here's something that's still rolling around my head. This is something that squares with my thinking. Uh, this is something that I'd change, right? And, and just simple tools like that that are that you can call on any time, uh, I, I think can help in, in that process of making, uh, of extending the experience and of, of not making it feel like it's a burden, right? If we start mm -hmm. off, if we start off and say, okay, we're going to train you guys on brain science so you understand what's going on in your head when you're doing an activity, um, I don't think that's a necessarily good way to do it. But I think sometimes afterwards, saying, you know, here's how you can make that stick, and we know from a brain science standpoint, da da da. And, and so my my kind of answer to that, my own question, really has been. I've, I've shifted my mindset to think about us as learning professionals. We've been, again, historically very much focused on designing and developing either content or learning experiences. And I think in the future, as we continue to adapt to the ever-changing things that people occur and information that people get, is that my, my shift is the word support. So how do we support learning to occur beyond our normal walls of training and development? And that can be, how can we, how can me, myself as an individual coach and be a mentor to somebody else? How can we uh, enable and empower our leaders and other peers within the groups that the, our learners are in to do the same thing? Um, I basically, it's think of it as a support structure. What can we do more and more to enable and empower our people, our ecosystem, um, anybody that we work with to be in that situation where an individual is not going to be completely lost, overwhelmed. They know at the end of the day, there's hope that they can constantly or continue to learn what they originally set off to learn. And there's someone or something that's going to support them to do that. And, and, and yes, that's all sounds great in theory, but by thinking that that's what's been enabling me and helping me to solve these problems when they come up. It's like just pushing myself to think beyond 
events, think beyond e-learning, think beyond content and bring it more into the flow of work. Um, so that's been my direction, at least to that, that question. That's great, Jake. I love it. And, you know, I, I would love to hear too from some of our listeners about their ideas about how they do these things as well. And I would suggest you, you can tweet at us, uh, re reply to the postings, the things that you see, um, wherever you can reply to this podcast, tell us what you're thinking. Uh, that would be interesting. And we could share some of those ideas back. We could probably go on for 18 more hours or no, we could just stop right now. I think it, well, time's up really for us, but um, yeah, this, this, I think space specific, uh, specifically, you can talk forever. I think it's a challenge that it, it's always comes up on every single learning challenge and problem that I ever come across. How long can we do it for? What's the maximum? Everything. It's always spaced. So I just want to point out something that I, I've had some people say, hey, when you guys get together to do these podcasts, do you kind of script things out or, you know, do you have a, an outline you follow or whatever? I think uh, sometimes if you listen to us, you know that we're pretty free flowing. This is a great example. I think we just we, we had about two minutes of, hey, what should we talk about today? And we just went on and, you know, to your point earlier, we could go on for another hour probably just on spaced and we never got to my topic of generative. But that's all right. We can save that for another podcast. Always good to be good. Uh, always good to be with you guys. Yeah, you too, Dana. That's great. So let's tee up uh, generative next time we get together. Sounds good. Unless we wind up lining up a special guest, but like you said, we, you know, we, we decide on these things five minutes before we go. Right. On, Unless so. I reflect after this and realize I don't want to come back, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> you need a digital detox. You better not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, hey, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks for being uh, with me today and for the advice and guidance. That's great coaching, and hopefully, everybody in our audience liked it so on behalf of myself bob uh and jake and dana thanks for tuning in to this episode of the learning geeks and we'll see you again soon take care everybody thanks everybody <laughs>